الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين. So alhamdulillah for the time that I've been here, uh, we've been talking about the um, conversation between uh, Luqman and his son. That has been pretty much the extent of our conversation. And so uh, during the khutbah, we came to the point where he uh, advised his son uh, that if there was a mustard seed that was hidden in the depths of a rock, or in the heavens, or in the earth, that Allah would bring it forth on the Day of Judgment. And he's basically teaching his son to have muraqaba, to have an awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all times. And this is, you know, profound advice for a man to give to his son. Because, you know, teaching, you know, we live in a society now where we are pretty much becoming a society of sociopaths. Narcissists, where we kind of step over people to get what we want. We exploit people and use people to get what we want. And no consideration or concern, no awareness for the feelings of other people, for the needs of other people. Right? When the Sahaba came to the Prophet ﷺ and asked about the rights of marriage, they would ask the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, ma haqqa zawjati ahadina alina. O Messenger of Allah, what is the right of one of our wives over us? They weren't asking about what is my right over my, my wife. You see the difference between the two? They never said, what is my right over my wife? Because it wasn't about the rights that were due to them. It was the rights that they were responsible for giving someone else. And I want to make sure that I'm right with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as it relates to what I'm supposed to give to my spouse. Whereas today, you know, when people come, brothers and sisters come to the imam and they're asking about the rights of marriage, they're asking about their right. Oh, he's not giving me my rights. And she's not giving me my rights. And isn't this my right in Islam? Or isn't that my right in Islam? It's always about nafsi, nafsi. It's always about me, me, me. What someone else owes me. What about what you owe to someone else? It just shows you the complete difference in mentality between the Sahaba and our mentality. Their concern was, what is the right of one of our wives over us? What do I have to give this woman if I marry her? So I need to make sure that I am capable of fulfilling this person's rights. Uh, Ibn Abbas, he said, إِنِّي لَا أَطْلُبْ مِنْ زَوْجَتِي that I do not ask my, my wife for all of my rights out of fear that my wife would demand from me all of her rights. How can you demand something from someone that you are not willing to give? You guys follow me. And that is the type of mentality that we are, you know, unfortunately with social media, with the internet, creating today. A sense of entitlement. A sense of, you know, um, imposition. We impose our beliefs and, you know, our feelings and our opinions on other people without any concern for the way that they feel. It's a sense of entitlement. Exploitation. As I was at the prison earlier today, talking with some of uh, the brothers there, and, and I told them that if you are in a relationship with a woman simply because you are in prison, 
then you are exploiting that woman. If you have no intention on marrying that woman and being with that woman when you come home, then you need to cut your relationship with her because you are exploiting her. You're using her. You have an emotional deficit. You have an emotional void that you are trying to fill using someone else. And it's not fair. That is exploitation. You are using someone. And as soon as you come home, you discard her because now sky is the limit as it relates to how many women you can go after and your choices. You know, it's not right. If you are doing time, do your time by yourself. Because the only reason that the woman is engaging you is because she has a hope and a belief that when you come home, you are really going to marry her. When you come home, you are actually going to live up to the things, all the promises that you were making her. If she knew that you were going to fail her the moment you came home, do you think that she would continuously entertain you? Absolutely not. This is exploitation. And we have to stop using people. It's not right. And when you understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching over you, watching over every single thing that you're doing, then it makes you conscious of Allah, conscious of and aware of your behavior and the way that you interact with the world around you. The next piece of advice that Luqman uh, gave to his son, which is what we're going to talk about tonight, as he said to his son, Ya Bunay, listen to the conversation. Ya Bunay, in the Arabic language, Bunay means Ibn but then you add the ya to it because it's yani min hub. It's out of love. Ya bunay, abuya. You know, they don't say abu or abi, which means father or my father. They say abuya, my beloved father. That, that it has an addition to it which shows love. It shows hub, a connection. So that you can see that the advice that Luqman is giving his son is not... You know, me imposing on you or me instructing you or telling you what to do. This is advice out of love. Understand the context here. It's advice out of love. He said, yeah, Bonet, oh, my beloved son. Because before you can give a young man or any young person advice, there has to be a rapport there. There has to be a connection there. I have to feel that it's coming from a place of love in order for me to be receptive. Otherwise, you come off as a dictator. You're just imposing on me. You're just telling me what to do. You understand? But when it comes from a place of love, this is why in many instances when the Prophet ﷺ would give his, his companions advice, he would always lead with a muqaddimah. He would always lead with an introduction by saying, I love you. He said, Ya Mu'adh, inni uhibbuka fillah. I love you for the sake of Allah. When you do that, you've already, yani taksib qalbahu. You've already won his heart. You've already won the heart. And now they're receptive because they know that it's coming from a place of love. You guys understand what I'm saying? They, they know that it's coming from a place of love, not from a place of hurt. So sometimes when we're advising our children, you can say, or even if you're advising your wife or your, 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 a woman advising her husband, you know, you know I love you, right? And you know I don't agree with you, right? But I, I still love you. But I don't, I don't think that this is a good idea. You've already led with love. Lead with love. You soften the heart and the person is more receptive. The Prophet ﷺ said, Ya Mu'adh, inni wallahi uhibbuka fillah. I swear by Allah, I swear to God, I love you for the pleasure of Allah. 
But do not forget to say at the end of every salah, Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shikrika wa husni ibadatik. Oh Allah, assist me with remembering you and being grateful to you and perfecting my worship to you. Don't forget to say that at the end of every salah. And another hadith he told another companion, Abdullah ibn Umar, he said, Ni'ma rajul Abdullah, that Abdullah is a great boy, great man, if he would only get up at night for salah. And he said, yeah, Abdullah, inni uhibbuka fillah, oh Abdullah, I love you for the sake of Allah. Lakin la tukun mithru fulan, kana yakumu layl thumma tarakan. He said, but don't be like so-and-so who used to get up at night and pray, and you don't get up at night and pray. Don't be like him. He used to get up at night and pray, and then he stopped. But he led with, I love you. You guys follow me? So, Luqman's advice to his son, yeah, bunay, oh my beloved son, He's leading with love. And if we don't leave here with anything tonight other than that, lead with love. The next time you're about to say something to your son, the next time you're about to say something to your daughter, the next time you're about to say something to your wife, the next time you're about to say something to your husband, stop for a moment and say, I love you. But I don't think that that's a good idea. Lead with love. The person is more receptive he said, Ya Bunay, O my son, Aqim is Salah, establish the Salah. What more bin Ma'roof when Ha and Il Munkar was bir alama asabek in the Vadika min Azmin Umur? Jewels of advice in, in one sentence, one line. He said, O my son, establish the Salah. What more bin Ma'roof and enjoin what is good, one Ha and Il Munkar, and forbid what is evil, wasbir alama asabak, and be patient with everything that befalls you in the Vatican min Azmil Umur. This is from the highest levels of moral excellence. The highest levels of moral excellence. It's too much in that for us to cover tonight, I promise you. Too much in that for us to cover tonight. We're only going to cover the first part, the first part and that is Aqimus Salah. Establish the salah. Why would a, a, a father advise his son to be consistent and diligent with praying? What is it about salah that a young man needs to understand? What is it about prayer that is important in the life of a young man? And this wasn't the only you know, man mentioned in the Quran in terms of him encouraging his children to pray. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned about uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam. Ibrahim, he made dua for his children to be amongst those who pray. He said, رَبِّ جَعَلْنِي مُقِيمِ الصَّلَاةِ وَمِنْ ذُرِّيَتِي رَبَّنَا وَتَقَبَّلْ دُعَا In Surah Ibrahim, Surah number 14, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Ibrahim said, رَبِّ جَعَلْنِي مُقِيمِ الصَّلَاةِ Oh Allah, make me from amongst those who establish the salah. وَمِنْ ذُرِّيَّتِي And from amongst my children. And just a fa'idah, just a benefit here. He used وَمِنْ ذُرِّيَّتِي And from my children. Why? Because we know that some of our children are not going to pray. At least some of my children. At least I can, I can make dua for that at very least. All of them might not be though, uh, amongst those who establish regular prayer, but at least, oh Allah, make some of my children from amongst those who establish regular prayer. This is Ibrahim making dua for his children, his grandchildren, his progeny. And another ayah in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, um, you know, 
praised Ismail, the son of Ibrahim. And let me show you how it trickles down. So it, Ibrahim السلام, made dua that Allah make him amongst those who establish regular prayer and from amongst his children. And then we find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praising one of Ibrahim's children, Ismail, for establishing the salah and commanding his family to pray. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَذْكُرَ فِي الْكِتَابِ إِسْمَعِيلِ And mention to them, O Muhammad, from the, the narrative of Ismail. إِنَّهُ كَانَ صَادِقَ الْوَعْدِ وَكَانَ رَسُولٍ نَبِيًّا He was someone who was truthful in his promise. وَكَانَ رَسُولٍ نَبِيًّا And he was a prophet and a messenger. كَانَ يَأْمُرُ أَهْلَهُ بِالصَّلَاةِ وَالزَّكَاةِ وَكَانَ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِ مَرْضِيَّةِ That he used to enjoin upon his family salah and zakat. وَكَانَ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِ مَرْضِيَّةِ And as a result of that, he was pleasing to his Lord. He was مَرْضِيَّةِ He was someone that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with. As Allah says in Surah Al-Fajr, أُدْخُلُ جَنَّتِي In the, in the uh, ayah, what is the ayah? When you mention مَرْضِيَّةِ Return back to your Lord, please with him, and Allah please with you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not wait for Yom Al-Qiyamah to call Ismail Maradiyah. He was Maradiyah in this life. In that ayah, the context is, O soul, O you tranquil soul. Ya ayatuha nafsul mutma'inna. O you tranquil soul. Irji'i ila rabbiki. Return back to your Lord Please with Allah And Allah please with you That's in the hereafter But Allah called Ismail He was pleasing These are the only two times Is mentioned in the Quran Why was he Because he used to enjoin Salat upon his family Even Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, Even Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha she said that when it was the last 10 nights of Ramadan, that the Prophet ﷺ used to do what? And Ramadan is, is, is slowly approaching. And we should make dua as the Sahaba used to make us make dua six months before Ramadan. Allahumma balighna Ramadan. Oh Allah, allow us to see another Ramadan. Allow us to see another Ramadan. And oh boy, how we need another Ramadan at this point. Souls are thirsty. Souls are tormented. And in need of that refuge that we find in the month of Ramadan. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala she said that the Prophet sallallahu used to, in the last 10 nights of Ramadan, what did he do? He used to get his family up for salah. And he used to tie his belt tight, which some of the scholars say that is a metaphor for lessening his intake of food. And some of the scholars say that it means that he would re- refrain from being intimate with his wives and devote all of his time for salah. But he used to wake his family up for salah. So what is it? Um, and, and as the Prophet sallallahu he said that, uh, you know, the only thing that is pleasing to him from this dunya, the only thing that is important to him from this dunya, uh, the only thing that his eye found pleasure in from this world is prayer. Why is it important for a young man to establish salah? Why is Luqman telling his son, Oh my son, my beloved son, establish the salah? And notice he didn't say pray. What's the difference between aqimus salah, establish salah, 
وصلي and pray. What's the difference between the two? Because Allah could have just said pray. He didn't say pray. He said establish the salah. What's the difference between the two? Question. Mm, not quite. Alone versus with people making it form and the center of your life. Making it the center of your life. Being continuous with it. Establishing the salat. Meaning making a regular habit of the salat. Praying it on time. Praying it with all of the conditions. All of the arakan, the pillars, the conditions, the wajibat. And all of the, the details that come along with the salat. Not just... Praying, prostrating four times. Because that's not even prayer. As the Prophet ﷺ, on one occasion, the guy entered the masjid. He went over, he prayed two raka'ah. Pay attention. He went over because many Muslims, we need to be reminded of this. Because we do this on a regular basis. We go in the masjid, we bump our heads four times, and we get up, make the taslim, get up, and we think, I prayed. What if you didn't pray? What if I told you, perhaps... The salat that you just made didn't even count. A man walked into the masjid while the Prophet ﷺ was in the masjid. He went over to the corner, he prayed to Raka'ah. And then he walked over to the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Assalamu alaikum. The Prophet ﷺ said, Wa alaikum salam, irajat fa salli fa inna kalam tu salli. Wa alaikum salam, go back and pray again because you didn't pray. The guy just prayed to Raka'ah. Why did the Prophet ﷺ The Prophet ﷺ judged the man by saying you did not pray. Even though he went through the physical motions of the salat. Showing you that physical motions of the salat does not justify you praying. It's not just about going through the physical motions. The man went back and prayed again. Came back. He said, Assalamu alaikum. The Prophet ﷺ said, Wa alaikum salam. Go back and pray again because you didn't pray. Happened a third time. Until he came back the third time, the Prophet said, Go back and pray. He said, He said, I swear by the one who has sent you with the truth, O Muhammad, I do not know how to pray any better than you have seen me praying. Teach me how to pray. It wasn't the mechanical movement that he was missing. It was something internal that he was missing. And that was khushur. There was no consciousness of Allah in his prayer. Your mind drifts. You're just going through the mechanical movement of the salat. It does not mean that you prayed. The Prophet clearly told the man three times, you didn't pray. And for many Muslims, that is exactly what their salat looks like every single day. Just the mechanical movement your heart is in a different place. Your mind is in a different place. You don't even know the basics of what you're saying. Every time you say Allahu Akbar and go from one position to the next, Allahu Akbar is a reminder to you that there is nothing that is greater than God in that moment. Yet our mind drifts and remembers things that don't need to be remembered almost as if they are greater than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that moment. Constantly saying Allahu Akbar in your salat is a constant reminder to you that in that moment there is nothing greater than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing more important than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that moment. Nothing. 
But yet you have some Muslims who will pray the entire Salat and your mind is not even present. Your mind is not even present. One of the Sahaba he was making Salat in his garden one day. And as he's praying, his eyes became fixated on a bird that was flying in and out of the trees. And when he regained focus, he forgot which rakah he was in. So he took his garden, the garden that he was praying in, and he went to the Prophet وسلم, he said, Oh Messenger of Allah, I was praying, and my eyes became fixated on a bird that was flying in and out of the trees until I forgot which rakah I was on. He said, Take my entire garden as a sadaqah. Perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive me for the amount of time that I was heedless in my prayer. I've seen people in the salat, their phone ring, they pull the phone out, they check in the message, who's calling them at that moment, put the phone on silent, put the phone down and return back to their salat. When he said, Ya Bunay, oh my beloved son, aqim salat, establish the salat, make a regular habit out of prayer. Why does a young man need to make a regular habit out of prayer? Young men need to connect to something or someone greater than themselves. As a young man, as most of us or all of us in here, men, as young men at some point in our lives, we thought we had mastered whatever world we were in. And then each time we get knocked down, right, it is a reminder to us that you are not in control. And sometimes the frustration builds because you believe as a young man that you got it all figured out. But when you connect, as, non, as you know, non-Muslims say, to a higher power, you connect to someone greater than yourself, as Allah says, And above everyone that is knowledgeable is one that is more knowledgeable, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You realize you don't have it figured out. And you realize that you need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help. And the quickest way to connect with Allah is through takbir, Allahu Akbar, entering into your salah. Just like you can say, Siri, call so-and-so. The quickest way to jump on the phone and connect with someone, the quickest way to connect with, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to make wudu, Allahu Akbar. Connect with your Lord. Connect with someone bigger and greater than yourself. In the hadith of Juraj, many of you may be familiar with the hadith of Juraj, the Prophet wasallam said, none spoke in the cradle except three. One of them was the, the child during the story of Juraj. The Prophet ﷺ told the story of a man from Bani Israel whose name was Juraj. This young man was making salat and his mother came and was calling him. Yeah, Juraj. And Juraj, while he's in his prayer, he's debating whether or not he should stop praying and respond to his mother or continue praying. So he continued praying, ignoring his mother. He did this on three different occasions. On the third occasion, his mother called him, Ya Juraj. And he said, Ummi am salati. Should I respond to my mother or should I continue praying? He continued in his prayer until his mother got so upset with him, so angry with him, she made dua with him. She made dua against him. She said, Allahumma la tumithu hatta yanduru fi al-mumisat. Oh Allah, do not allow my son to die until he looks into the faces of prostitutes. Mother so upset with her son. 
And the scholars say that if it is a sunnah prayer that you are praying and your mother calls you, it is wajib on you to respond to your mother. Meaning responding to your mother takes precedence over supererogatory prayer. Just as a woman cannot fast, a supererogatory fast, without the permission of her husband. The right, fulfilling the right of the husband of intimacy takes precedence over supererogatory act or voluntary act of fasting. These are wajibat in our lives. So he ignored his mother and continued in his prayer. Let me show you what, why young men need prayer. So she said, may Allah not cause my son to die until he looks into the faces of prostitutes. She wants him to break this rigid code or rigid connection to his prayer. Some people envy you because of your connection to your religion. Sometimes you're hanging with Muslims, right? And they might do something in front of you, hoping that you say something, hoping that you don't say anything so they can continue because they want to break you. In some instances, a non-practicing Muslim might be worse than a non-Muslim. And that's a fact. A non-practicing Muslim might be more detrimental to your deen than a non-Muslim. Non-Muslim will tell you, hey, Muhammad, isn't it time for prayer? They'll remind you it's time for salah. The Muslim work right alongside you. Don't pray, hoping that you don't say anything. He knows it's time for salah, but he's hoping you don't say anything because he don't want to pray. So rather than tell you, alaikum Sheikh, it's time for salah. I don't want to pray, but I'm letting you know that it's time for salah. Because rather than appear as a hypocrite, he'd rather you not pray at all. That's a fact. So, what is, happens to Juraj? Juraj uh, is, you know, uh, Shaitan is trying to get to Juraj, takes advantage. So, um, uh, uh, a sheep herder who's, who's looking over the mosque, he goes and he has relations with this woman. There's a Jewish woman who says, uh, let me go test Juraj. Let me test his faith. Let me test his religion. She always got people who want to test you. Everything that you say that you are, there will always be somebody to test you to see if you really about that life. So when you say, I'm this, I'm that, you know, there's always going to be somebody who's going to test you. You say, I'm, I'm religious, I'm, I fear Allah, and all of these comments that we make about ourselves and our supposed relationship with God, there's always going to be somebody who's going to test you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَأَخْبَارُهُمْ And we will test what you say about what is said about you or what you say about yourself. Be mindful of the things that you say about yourself and the things that you allow other people to say about you. So the woman says, give me a chance. Let me go test Juraj. So she comes to Juraj and tries to seduce him. Juraj refuses. So she goes and she sleeps with the shepherd and then she gets pregnant and she delivers the child and she says the child belongs to Juraj. Lies on him. So they go and they destroy Juraj's monastery, his place of worship. And as they are about to hang him up, they said, you slept with this prostitute. You, she had your baby. You are the father of the child. Juraj says, before you kill me, I got one request. They said, what's your request? He said, just let me pray to Raka. Power of Salah for a young man. Sometimes you don't have it all figured out. But you know who do who does have it figured out. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Al-Alim, Al-Khabir, the all aware, the all knowledgeable. I don't have all the answers, but I know who does. <laughs> you understand? That is important for a young man to understand. 
You don't have all the answers. You don't have it all figured out. But guess what? You have a connection to someone who does. And all it requires is for you to raise your hands and say, Oh Allah, give me clarity in this situation. Oh Allah, give me understanding of this situation. Ya Allah, ya mu'allimu Adam. Oh Allah, the one who taught Adam, teach me. Ya mufahim Sulaiman, Oh, the one who gave Sulaiman fahim. As Allah says, wa fahamnaha Sulaiman, And we gave, we conferred upon Sulaiman fahim, understanding. The one who gave Sulaiman fahim, you don't think that he can give you fahim? The one who taught Adam the, not, the names of everything, you don't think he can teach you? Even in that very moment? Know your resources. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is your greatest resource. As a young man, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, God is your greatest resource. I don't know everything, and I don't have all the answers, but I know who does. I go make wudu, pray two raka'ah, give it some time, and let Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala work out the details for me. That is powerful for a young man to understand. So he tells them, before you kill me, I got one request. Just let me pray two raka'ah. They let him go, they praise two raka'ah. And then he walks over to the baby and he pokes the baby in the stomach and he says, who's your father? Men abuk. And the baby speaks in its infancy. Abu ya fulan. My father is so-and-so, the sheep herder. Allah figured it out for him. Allah figured it out for him. You understand? The power of Turaka. So when Luqman says to his son, Ya Bunay, Aqim salah Oh my son, be regular, be consistent in your prayer. He's dropping on him a heavy jewel. It's not when, when we tell our children to pray, establish the salah. It's not because, you know, this is something that is important to us. It should be important to you. Don't ever lose your connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, that's one thing. The Salah is not just about going through the motions of the prayer, but to establish a connection of your heart to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Young men find themselves in trouble often. The reason why young men find themselves in trouble often is because as boys, we are risk takers. We gamble a lot, sometimes to our own detriment. But we're risk takers. That's what makes us who we are. And in being risk takers, sometimes we put ourselves in very troublesome situations. And when we're in those troublesome situations, our way out, our makhraj, our exit from that situation is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says in the Quran, وَمَن يَتَّقِ اللَّهِ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا وَيَرْزُقُهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا And whoever fears Allah, Allah will make a way out of every difficulty. A makhraj will make an exit for you out of every situation. And provide for him in ways in which he could never imagine. It's the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But that's not going to happen if you cut, you sever your ties with him by not praying. So, Young men tend to find themselves in, in, in trouble a lot because they're risk takers and they gamble a lot in addition to their impulsivity. They say that the impulsivity in boys does not begin to decrease until he's around 24, 25 years old. Very impulsive. And that balance that we need as young men is prayer. Prayer. 
It is the ultimate equilibrium between our impulsivities and our immaturities and, you know, the reality in which we live. And sometimes we have to offset, you know, that risk-taking behavior or risky behavior with prayer. Otherwise, we'll go too far. So if you think about, for example, in the story of Musa, Musa is a young man. One day he comes out and he sees someone from, uh, you know, the Egyptians oppressing an Israelite. What does Musa do? Because even though he was raised in the house of Fir'aun, he still identified as an Israelite. So he goes over and he challenges the Egyptian. They get into a fight. Musa hits the man, knocks him out, kill him. He didn't intend to kill him. Here again, young men finding themselves in troublesome situations. So Musa, feeling bad at what, uh, what he did, he comes out the next day and sees the same guy, Samity, fighting with another Egyptian. And then he realized at that moment that it was the troublemaker, not the Egyptian. And the lesson that we learn from that is that learn the why before you judge. Learn the other side of the story before you jump in, because the one that you jump in and help might actually be the one that is wrong. And you are now aiding someone who is committing an injustice against someone who the injustice is being done to. Oppression on top of oppression. Simply because you didn't take the time out to find out the details of the situation. So what does he say to Musa? Are you going to kill me like you killed the guy yesterday? Essentially snitching on Musa. The other Egyptians heard, oh, he's the one who killed the Egyptian the other day. They go and tell Fir'aun. Now they're looking for Musa, young man in trouble. A young man in trouble. Musa flees Egypt, runs, and he heads towards what we know today as Saudi Arabia, a place called Median. Where he arrives at that place and he sees two young women standing off to the side and he sees a group of men giving their animals some, some water. So Musa, the, the man that he was, he goes over to the young girls. Why are you standing here? Why are you not watering your animals? They said because we don't want to mingle with the men. Musa takes the animals, goes over, brodies his way through, gives the animals something to drink, gives the animals back to the girls. The girls walk away. Musa sits down underneath a tree. And he says to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rabbi inni lima anzalta ilayya min khayrin faqir. Oh Allah, oh my Lord, anything that you have prepared for me right now, I'm in need of it. This is a young man in trouble. And although he didn't go through the formal motion of prayer, he made prayer, dua. Connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that moment when he had nothing. He left his family. He left with nothing but the clothes on his back. No food, no shelter, no family, no nothing. And there are a lot of young men that can relate to being in that situation because we get ourselves in trouble. We can't tell our family. We can't tell mom or dad. And we're in trouble. And rather than jumping from, you know, the, 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 the fire into the frying pan, you know, making your situation worse, sometimes the closest thing or the, 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 the closest thing that you can do is turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Maybe you can't tell your mother. Maybe you can't tell your father. Maybe you can't tell anybody else. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, al-khabir, the one who is all aware, is already aware of your situation. Turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says in the Quran, وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى الْحَيِّ الَّذِي لَا يَمُوتُ Put your trust in Allah, al-hayy, the ever-living, the one that will never die. Meaning don't trust man. 
Trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Man will fail you. So Musa turns to Allah and he says, oh, my Lord, whatever you have prepared for me right now, I am in need of it. Desperate need of it right now. Whatever you have written for me in your qadr, I need it right now. The young man troubled in trouble. Wanted for murder. Young man that, you know, has nothing. No one to turn to except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does Allah do? Creates a situation for him. The young girl goes back and tells her father, says, hey, this, this guy, he helped us. He's strong. He seems like he's trustworthy. He could have just robbed us for the animals, but he didn't. Seems like he's trustworthy, strong. Why don't we hire him? The father sends his daughter to go get Musa. The daughter shyly walks towards Musa, covering her face, says, my father, in the Abi Yaduk, my father's calling you. My father needs to talk to you. Musa goes and talks to the father, makes a deal with the father. Father said, hey, listen, Musa said, I'll work for you for eight. He said, if you can work for me for eight, that's great. And if you can give me more, that's even better. And I'll marry my daughter to you. Did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not come through? Everything he was missing at the time he made the dua, Allah gave him. Gave him a family, gave him a job, gave him a wife, gave him food, gave him shelter. Everything that he was missing at the time he made that dua, Allah gave it to him. You see the power of prayer? Why it's important for young men to have a connection with Salah? So when Luqman says to his son, Yeah, Bunay, oh my son, establish the Salah. Be regular in your prayer. There's wisdom in that. There's wisdom in that. This is not just, oh, I don't feel like praying. Man, you need Salah. You need prayer. We all do. We all do. But older men are a little more, we're, we're done with being risky. <laughs> we're done with most of us anyway. We're done with, you know, risque behavior. We're done with gambling. You know, when you get a family, you have children, you don't really take the risk that you would take when you're just a young man without, you know, any responsibilities. Because now you have people who depend on you. So your ability, you know, your desire to take risks lessen. They're, they're not as great because you stand more to lose. They say that a, a married man with children, you know, his life span, his life expectancy increases rather than a single man because he's constantly as a single man putting yourself in risky situations. When you're married and you have children, you're settled, you, you now take the focus off of you and now it becomes about looking out for those who you are responsible for. Which is why, and the wisdom in that is that the Prophet ﷺ used to encourage the young men to get married. In the hadith, he said, Ya ma'ashir al-shabab, man istata'a minkum al-ba'a falyat tazawwaj. Oh, you group of young men, shabab. Why would the Prophet ﷺ be encouraging young men to get married? Because as a young man, getting married, it makes you responsible for somebody other than yourself. When you are young, no responsibilities, then you engage in risky behavior. But when you are married and you have a child or children on the way, look at how young men change when they get married, when they have children. Because now you become responsible for somebody other than yourself. It builds empathy. It builds responsibility. And today's time, young men don't get married. We're encouraging them to go to college and finish college and get an education before, you know, they even consider marriage. And, and that's a problem. 
I'm not saying that, you know, children shouldn't, you know, finish college and, you know, and all, uh, that's great. But how long do we wait before we encourage them to get married? And they done had, you know, relationships with this girl, girlfriends, multiple girlfriends that, you know, while we're waiting for them to finish, <laughs> while we're waiting them to finish school. How many daughters in our communities are just lingering around the community, not able to get married because the young men are not ready for marriage? That's a problem. That is a problem. You guys don't see that as problematic? That the young women in the community have to sit around and wait for the boys to finish college, finish playing video games, finish living out their dreams, finish the, what's on their bucket list. And then they decide at 30, 35 years old, I'm ready to get married. By that time, you know, her ability to produce and reproduce, the chances of that are becoming very slim. Because the women are sitting around waiting for the men to get ready for marriage. And if the preparation process for marriage started off a lot earlier, then maybe our men would be ready at 23, 24, 25 years old. But at 25 years old, many of our men are still, you know, functioning like 16, 17 year olds. No responsibility, no care or concern for anybody other than themselves. Their mothers are still washing their clothes, still making their dinners. I mean, like, when do we change this narrative? But, you know, this is what I wanted to present. It's, it's so much more about the Salat that we could, you know, elaborate on. And I just hope that, you know, what was presented was, was pretty much understood. Um, the importance of young men having a connection with Salat. It's not just about the mechanical movement of the prayer. It's deeper than that. It's about you connecting yourself as a man to someone that is greater than yourself, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and all of his qualities and characteristics. He's the most knowledgeable. He is the all-aware. All of the qualities that we need to help us develop as young men, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala possesses all of them. He is our number one resource. Not your money, not your parents, not your credit card, not your job. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ar-razaq. Allah is your provider. Your job is not your provider. Your job just provides you the means by which you can attain the sustenance that Allah has already provided for you. The job is just the means. If you got fired today, do you think that the provision that Allah has prepared for you is going to stop? It's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. But many of us hate our jobs. We hate getting up, going to work every single day. But the thought of quitting would never cross our minds because I have to work. This is where I get my work from. This is my job. Where else am I going to work? What do you mean? Where else are you going to work? The same one who gave you that job and provided you with that job is the same one who's going to continue to provide for you. The Prophet ﷺ said that none of you will die until all of your provision has been exhausted. Meaning every single dime, penny that is to come to you in this life, you will not die until you have gotten every single drop of it. Your provision doesn't stop. And, you know... We have to be mindful of that. Your, your, your resource is not your job. Your resource is not your knowledge, your degree. Your resource is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything else is complimentary. Your degree, your smarts, your job, your parents. These are all resources. These are all complimentary resources. 
Your number one resource is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has everything that you need. And he has given you all of these things to help facilitate your life for you. But when we take the focus off of Allah and make these things the main resources in our lives, we miss the point. You have now put God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, secondary to everything else. And this is part of our problem as a ummah. We put Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala secondary. And everything else, my resources, my job, my parents, my, my wife, my kids, my, 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 my. Right? As Allah says in the Quran, say, uh, 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 The hypocrites will come to you and they will say to you, and they will come to you and they will say, uh, we were preoccupied with our wives and our, our children and our wealth. You know, seek Allah's forgiveness for us. And the only reason why you can use your wealth, getting a job, you know, your children, your family, only thing, the only reason why you can use that as an excuse for not coming to the masjid, for not establishing the salat, for not practicing Islam, is because you've separated that from your life. All of it is inclusive of your life. All of it. You say to the brother, where have you been, brother? I haven't seen you. Oh, man, you know, I'm busy working. You've separated work from deen. It's all part of your religion. Don't separate the two. Oh, I had school and I had, you know, I got to work and I got this and I got that. All of that is part of your religion. Don't separate that. It's all complimentary. You're going to school for what? So you can become smarter so you don't have to practice Islam? (laughs) Because that's what was happening to many of our youth. They go to university, they get degree, and somehow they become smarter than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Smarter than Islam. Above the system of Islam. I don't, I don't you know, philosophizing everything. Everything is, you know, they have an excuse. Everything is a theory, and, you know, you have an excuse for every single thing. That's not what you were going to school for. The knowledge that you are learning in college is complementary to what you know about Islam. It's supposed to help you become a better Muslim. Not continuously distance yourself from Islam. Am I making sense? Does, it, does that make sense? Okay, alhamdulillah. I think I beat up on you guys a lot. It's out of love though. You know, it's not just you. We're, we're recording this so the rest of the ummah can hear it, inshallah ta'ala. But it's just out of love. You know, sometimes we need to hold a mirror up to ourselves and take a real good look. You know, and if you don't like what you see in the mirror, don't get mad at me for holding the mirror up. Get mad at yourself for the image that comes back to you. All right. So, you know, it's a reminder. We all can use a reminder about Salat. We all slack off late on the Salat, late on that Salat. And that stuff catches up. It wears your Iman down. It wears your faith down until you become comfortable with that. And Shaitan working on you <laughs> every day. He doesn't want you to pray at all. So you miss a salat here, miss a salat there, late for salat here, late for salat there, and not attending Jumu'ah here, not attending Jumu'ah there. And the whole while, your heart is getting blacker and blacker and blacker. And you don't realize shaitan's working on you. And, you know, sometimes we have to, you know, ask Allah for forgiveness, ask Allah to make us, you know, from amongst those who establish salat, ask Allah for his help. Don't keep saying, well, you know, my iman is in my heart. Well, I'm weak right now. Make dua for me. La wallahi, make dua for yourself. What do you mean make dua for you? So you're just going to remain content with the condition that you are in? No. No. Make dua for yourself and change your condition. Allah will not change the condition of a people until I first. 
They change what is within themselves. That starts with you. Don't tell a person, oh, make dua for me, brother. No, you make dua for yourself. The most powerful dua that you can make is the dua that you make for yourself. I might not be as sincere as you are when I make dua for you. <laughs> How you tell somebody else, make dua for me? I might say, oh, Allah, forgive them. And I don't really mean it. But when you say, oh, Allah, forgive me, has a whole totally different meaning to it. Has a completely different meaning to it. Okay? وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَى مُحَمَّدٍ I don't know if you guys have any questions, comments. Can we open the door? Let some fresh air in here.